This episode of Writing Excuses is brought to you by Audible. Visit audiblepodcast.com slash excuse to start your free trial membership. Season 10, Episode 3. This is Writing Excuses Q&A on idea development. 15 minutes long. Because you're in a hurry. And we're not that smart. I'm Brandon. I'm Mary. I'm Howard. And I'm Dan. And we want to do this every month during Season 10 where we are going to end the month with a podcast where we have a Q&A about the topic that's relevant. Now, in the future, we're going to be asking you to send in your questions. We're going to try to answer them on air regarding these topics. But right now, we have the fine folks from the Writing Excuses Retreat. They are going to model for you how to do this by asking us brilliant, engaging, and interesting questions for us to answer. They're all getting this deer in the headlights look. <clears throat> and in the future, hopefully you will be able to do this for us. But let's go ahead and just start. Go ahead, Andy. Okay, ideas are hard. Is it ever acceptable for inexperienced writers to write derivative works? Yes. <laughs> yes. I think that a derivative work is actually one of the best ways to start as a, a new author. One of the things that I recommend to people is that, I mean, take a fairy tale. And all you have to do is apply the techniques that we've been talking about, where uh -huh. you step it one or two to the side, and you have a whole new story. But you can use a plot structure that is already existing, and that's one less thing that you have to figure out what to do with. Yeah, in um, screenwriting, one of the things they actually require in a lot of the screenwriting courses and programs is for you to write spec scripts for current television shows, knowing that you would never be able to sell these, that there's nothing you can do with them, but they can be a showpiece, in your portfolio. Now, that's not as widely regarded in, uh, in you know, mainstream publishing as a way to get a job, but the fact that so many of them use it and it works so well it speaks to its value. Well, what, what you're really talking about with novels is fan fiction. And yes. so many, particularly in YA, so many of the really big writers came from fan fiction. Mm -hmm. So if it's something that appeals to you, then yes, it's totally doable. How do you keep from getting discouraged when about your idea when something comes out that's incredibly similar? Ooh, that's a good one. Nicholas, let me tell you. Freaking Dexter. <laughs> Jonathan Strange and Mr. Norell. Oh. I, I, I Lies had, of Locke Lamora. It happened I had to me. People, I, I had people emailing me, uh, you know, asking me. I'm, I'm you know, I, I make Schlock Mercenary, Mercenaries in Space, asking me if I'd seen this cool new show, Firefly. I am so glad it got canceled. <laughs> oh. 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 oh! And our ratings tank. <laughs> okay, so when uh, when I first started, uh, you know, publicizing the John Cleaver books, and everyone, of course, everyone mentioned Dexter and said, "Well, what what are you going to do about this?" Um, somebody, and I don't know who it was. It was a random person on like Tor.com's message board said, uh, "You know, just like there can be." a million different books about detectives or a million different TV shows about doctors, we can have a bunch of different books about serial killers. That's not who they are, that's just their job. <laughs> <laughs> and it's true, you know, it, it just because it's similar, they're not going to do it the same well, way you're going to. And, and in fairness, when I finally got around to watching Firefly, A, I was brokenhearted that it got canceled, and B, I looked at it and realized, this is nothing like what I'm doing. Mm -hmm. I mean, I can see why people would feel like it is similar, 
but I handled these things differently. They are. Yeah, the, yeah. there's a saying in puppet theater: the uh, the only competition is a bad puppet show. And what we mean is that if someone goes to something and it's fantastic, they want to see more puppet shows. So if someone comes out with an idea that's like yours, they want more of that. Yeah. And you've just supplied it. Jason? Um, how do you know when your idea is a novel and when it's a short story? It's a novel because... <laughs> because that's... What... <laughs> Sorry, I had to say that. Yeah. That's, that's always um, Brandon's answer. I suspect that we'll, we'll be talking about this a great deal when we get into the structure thing. Mm -hmm. um, for me, the things that I look at are the number of characters yeah. and the number of plot ideas and the number of scenic locations that I'm requiring. The further I've gotten in my career, the more I've realized that I have a lot of power over designing a story, taking a story any of these directions. A lot of the novellas I've been really releasing early in my career, I would have only been able to write as a novel. Now I could write them as a novel or as a no novella. And it really comes down to when you learn how to plot a sequence and get some experience doing it, you will get a feel for how long that sequence will take. And you can say, wow, I'll need more here to fill out the full novel, or you can say, I'll just go ahead and take this as a short piece. Um, but a lot of the, 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 if you go listen to our podcast on short stories in the past, we'll have a bit of advice on this. I think the mice quotient one can talk a lot about this idea, which is the, if you introduce one element and then bring out with that element, that can be a short piece a lot more easily than a novel can be. I think that's back in season six. Gamma? So frequently you have magazines and anthologies that put out calls, put out these themed calls for themed short stories. So should you only write for those if you already had a similar idea or should you try to work with that idea to come up with a story to fit it? Hmm. Well, I think the, the first obvious answer is if that call for a particular theme gets you really excited, absolutely write that story. Because then even if you don't sell it, you've just written a story you're very excited about. Yeah, I had... Um... Uh, just uh, recently, a friend uh, emailed me and said, hey, you know, I'm putting together an anthology, and this is the theme. And I replied and said, I, I got nothing. I got no ideas. I mean, unless you want me to tell a story about, and all of a sudden I had an idea for it, and I sent it to him, and his response was, that sounds great. When can it be done? Uh, I feel like when you see a, a call for things like that, that might be an opportunity for you to step up and challenge yourself and see if you can write to that as a prompt. Yeah, but you know, on the other hand, don't force yourself to write a story that you're not excited about or that you're not interested in just on the off chance that this one particular anthology will pick it up. Ditto all of that. BetMGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Maryland. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at BetMGM. Simply download the BetMGM app and sign up using code OLDLINE150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Maryland today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Maryland only. New customer offer subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days from issuance. Please play responsibly. For help, visit mdgamblinghelp.org or call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM National Harbor. Promotional not available in Washington, D.C. 
What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? These ultra-low-net-carb baked goods contain zero sugar, fewer calories, and more protein than the leading brands, and are high in fiber to support gut health. Shop now at Hero.co. All right, let's stop for our Book of the Week. And actually, we have one of our students, Sunil, giving us the Book of the Week. My book is City of Stairs by Robert Jackson Bennett, a book I have not been able to shut up about. Uh, the author describes it as Game of Thrones meets Tinker Tailor Soldier Spy. It's an epic fantasy where the gods are all dead because one guy went around and killed them. It's a spy novel where one country is colonizing the country that used to colonize them. It's also a murder mystery. Unlike a lot of epic fantasies, it's influenced by Eastern European and South Asian cultures. The main character is a woman of color, and there are two middle-aged women supporting characters. It tackles a lot of heavy topics, but it never loses a sense of fun. It's an absolute pleasure to read. I want to read this book. Yeah, <laughs> yeah and, I'm, uh, I'm in. Robert Jackson Bennett's a great author. His my stuff is wonderful. My assistant loved this book and po posted on my blog like a long explanation of how much he loved it. Audible.com, audiblepodcast.com slash excuse. Uh, you can start a free trial membership. Uh, City of Stairs by Robert Jackson Bennett, narrated by Alma Cuervo. Okay, Elizabeth. Okay, so when you um, come up with an idea for a story and it's in a setting or maybe even a genre that you're not familiar with, how can you practice setting description? Well, I have an exercise for that. Um, and since no one else seems to be jumping in. <laughs> um, so what I do is I pick a location for the, uh, for, for the just a random location in the, the space. And I sit down and I take my POV character and I start describing it. And I basically just have my POV character. So this is a free writing exercise. Um, so that's one thing that I do. And then the other thing that I do is that I will look at something else that is set in that genre and I will key it, I will re-key it in. So I will like, I want my book to sound like, oh, I don't know, Patrick Rothfuss. And so I will sit down and key in a chapter of Patrick Rothfuss. I'll just retype it, which gets those rhythms into, uh, right. into my fingers. And then I will go back to that first thing that I wrote with my character. And I've already, at this point, laid out the groundwork, and now I will rewrite it and aim for getting that tone. Yeah. That's What she's describing may sound kind of freaky, but on the art side, I find that tracing something that someone else has drawn that you want to learn how to draw, no, I'm, you know, I'm never going to publish something that I've traced from somebody else, but the exercise of tracing it informs a portion of my brain about how these lines go down informs a portion of Mary's brain about how these words go down. It's a neat exercise. Excellent. Adam. When should you give up on an idea even though you have a lot of passion for it? Ooh. Ah. There, there are lots of ways to answer this. One that commonly comes up is the one that uh, Mary mentioned with Lock-In, the John Scalzi book, where an idea had started him along the path to writing this book, and then by the end of the book, the idea is in the book. And in that case, I would say it's when the idea you came up with is distracting from what has become the main plot of the book. That's one reason to abandon one, is when shoehorning this in no longer fits. You can always take that idea and say, you know what, I'll do this later. I can do it for a sequel, or I can do it for another story at some point. You can also look at something, and if you realize that it's going to cause you to write a book that is problematic... Uh, or a story that is problematic um, because you are, you know, inadvertently 
uh, reinforcing a negative paradigm about uh, racism or sexism or something. You may look at it and go, you know what, I love this. I, ha I actually have a story idea that I would, I love it and I will never ever write it because um, because of the negative stereo negative paradigms that it reinforces about sexism. I would have been writing a sexist story that it was just like incredibly misogynistic and so I which is kind of funny. Um, <laughs> so those are some reasons um, and then one other that I would say is um, if you if if it's failing to fire if you okay. don't understand the conflict I um, two episodes ago I think I talked about the thing with the honey ants and that is actually a story I wound up writing um, but I had to set it aside for about three years before I had a story to hang on it uh, my story mm -hmm. in the uh, writing excuses anthology uh, an honest death um, I had that I had that decision point and I think it's important to show this as, as a contrast uh, I was stuck on the story and I realized I was stuck because the idea that I was in love with was not fitting with the story the way I was writing it. And what I decided to do is go back and reread that idea and look at that idea and write that idea backwards into the story because that was what I was in love with. And when I started doing that, uh, you know, the, the fire was lit again and I knew how to fix it. If that doesn't work, then it's probably time to pick something else. Yeah. Now, you know what you don't do is abandon an idea just because you've convinced yourself that it's not going to sell somewhere or that nobody else will yeah. like it. You know, if you are still passionate about it and so passionate that you want to keep going, just keep going. If it's working for you, that's what matters at this point. And Marty. So aside from work that you might have under contract, if you have a lot of ideas multiple at a time, are there, uh, how do you decide what to work on next if you have a lot you'd like to explore? Oh boy, I have to do this so often. <laughs> um, and it's actually yeah. quite frustrating sometimes that I have so many contracts. Now, that's, oh. yeah, yeah. Oh, But you know, an early part of my career when I finished a book, and before I was published, I was able to say, what am I most excited about now? Let's write that. Nowadays, I, I have to say, what has the most recent, dead, the most closest deadline, and how can I get excited about it, as opposed to the other way around? Mm -hmm. Whereas, you know, right now, your question, mm -hmm. whatever you're most excited about, you know, you read through your ID, idea book, and you go, yeah, that one, that one, oh, yeah, that one, you know, whichever, that one that jumps out to you, or, mm -hmm. uh, you know, if none of them in particular then start combining them together. I have a, I, I think I'm kind of uniquely positioned among the cast in that there are ideas that I have and I know that I can write down a few notes about the idea and then hire a writer and an illustrator and a colorist to execute these as a, you know, as a bonus story in the back of a Schlock Mercenary book. And that is so incredibly rewarding to be able to take an idea and hand it to people who are creative in different ways and see it take on a life and a vision that's that's different, that's fun. It's expensive, but <laughs> sometimes, <laughs> but Wait, sometimes it pays nice. for itself. You know, one thing that I want to mention here, and this is in conjunction with the last one, kind of what, along with Dan, the lines what Dan said, um, I would suggest taking some of them and doing a few, a little right of each one yeah. um, and see what one you're really getting gripped by that first chapter. 
But the danger of that is a lot of times writers will find a habitual place where they abandon the story. And if they write one chapter and then are always, chapter two is always hard, and they start on chapter two and then tell themselves, oh, this idea must not be good enough. Um, or, you know, when to abandon the story you're passionate about. You may hit that point, that 75% point or whatever it is for you, and every story feel like it's time to abandon the story. You want to not get in the habit of abandoning stories. Um, and that could happen with the free write on each of these different ideas. Yeah, and that's why you'll hear the ex the advice to to um, early career writers to finish everything that you write because you're learning to identify which ideas. You're still training that part of your brain, the identification part, and you have to figure out your own process and where the difficult stage comes for you. Dan, you have a writing exercise for us. That's right. We've been talking about ideas all month long. Next month, we're talking about character. So get ready for that. Take one of the ideas that we've done. You can be one of the ideas you worked on in a previous exercise or something new that you have in your idea book somewhere. One idea you're very excited about and then do one of my favorite writing exercises. You're going to audition five characters for the role of main character in your story. Five people who are completely different, different backgrounds, different jobs, different levels of expertise, different ages, different ethnicities, different genders. And, you know, people that you would never think would be a good protagonist in your story. Try them out. Find some way that they could fit into that story. All right. This has been Writing Excuses. You're out of excuses. Now go write. If you aren't familiar with Locus Magazine, they're a long-standing and respected website, magazine, archive, and resource for science fiction, fantasy, and horror. Basically, they're the industry magazine for our genre. They also run the annual Locus Awards, a top-tier award that recognizes new, diverse, and excellent voices in speculative fiction. They tell the storyteller's stories through author interviews, book reviews, curated reading lists, international industry news, obituaries, and more. Locus has meant a lot to me, both personally and professionally. In my career, I've been interviewed by them, and I've also turned to them as a source of understanding who is involved in the industry. Locus is holding their annual fundraising drive to keep their doors open, lights on, and future bright. I'll be contributing to their crowdfunding campaign by donating a cutscene, some original art, and a couple of other things like... Do you want to do a one-on-one -on -one chat with me? So join me in supporting Locus.